little bit. Mark Schofield will be joining us. SB Nation. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, is going to be here today as well. We're going to talk with both of those guys about this uh, this Packers team and this offense and um, what uh, you know the sustainability of the short game because I think it's a very real question when it comes to the viability of the short game and being able to move the ball downfield. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Cunis RV. Go to CunisRV.com. Again, Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. Down in Elkhorn is my buddy Scott. Scott can take care of you down there, and uh, apparently he has for a couple of different people that I've sent in that direction, which is fantastic. Uh, but if you're looking for an auto as well, uh, you can go to Cunis, ShopCunis, K-U-N-E-S, ShopCunis.com, ShopCunis.com. Whether it's uh, automobile dealers, RV dealers, all throughout the great state of Wisconsin and beyond the borders. They got it going on. That is Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, the fastest growing RV dealer in the state of Wisconsin. There you go. Thanks to them for being a part of the program. So Steve, uh, ESPN Steve over on uh, the the, uh, the Bud Light live stream says, uh, with the Packers only throwing passes on average downfield of three and a half yards per pass, isn't that the true West Coast style of offense? It It is, um, but it's not the true, the purest form. It's not the Bill Walsh form, but you're right. It's It's more of a West Coast style of offense. Now, for whatever reason, Steve, it's a bad word in Green Bay. I don't know why, but it is. If you say, hey, isn't that kind of a West Coast style? Well, it is, but it's not. It's not. We're, it's almost like we're so much smarter. We're so much smarter than the West Coast style of offense. No, it's kind of a style. It's kind of a West Coast style of offense. It's quick outs, moving the football, keeping the defense on their heels. Uh, but the problem is if you don't get a downfield threat eventually, teams just start stacking the box. You know, bring, you start leaking safeties up because you don't need to play over the top. You're not going to go downfield. Part of that, now, uh, the other aspect of this, and I think something technically that needs to be recognized, is that the line protection early on was not great, specifically in, in Minnesota. So when you have constant pressure, you don't have the ability to get downfield. Rodgers doesn't have the ability to wait to throw the ball 20, 30 yards downfield because the, the pressure was on him almost immediate. So that is going to skew the numbers. That is as much of a confirmation of style of offense as it is a condemnation of the offensive line protection because that will go hand in hand. If you don't have time to throw it long, you got to throw it short, right? Let's be honest. But I, uh, it, it, it it's part of the West Coast style, but if you say that's West Coast offense, they're going to go, no, it's not. It's no. And then they get almost uh, upset by it to call it West Coast style of offense. But it, is it concerning? Is it concerning? Can, do you feel the way we've seen the Green Bay Packers play? Two and one. And we know that. You know, look, the the Vikings went all out, man, all out week one. Since then, they've been relatively average, right? But can the Packers win, continue to win this way? Now, remember, let me keep in mind here, uh, they're 2-1 and with seemingly an easier portion of their schedule coming up, right? 
No Mac Jones on Sunday. They should, and I say should, be able to go into London the following week and get a win over Daniel Jones and company. Uh, the Giants, I, and I said this yesterday, the Giants are, uh, even though they came into that game against uh, the uh, the Cowboys at 2-0, and they, they're, they're not a 2-0 and look team. They just have escaped with a couple. Uh, and then after that, they have the Jets. They should beat the Jets. So they should beat New England, no Mac Jones. They should beat the Giants over in London. They should beat the Jets back at home at uh, Lambeau. They should beat the Washington. And then, then, then the next three games are on the road, okay? They should beat the Washington Commanders, right? So they've got four more games. So you figure they're probably, probably 6-1 and one by the time they face Buffalo in Buffalo on Sunday night, right? That's, you would figure that. Then after that, they get the Lions in Detroit. By the time they face the Cowboys and Tennessee Titans in back-to-back games uh, in the early portion of November, mid-portion of November, uh, because they do that in, on a, uh, a Sunday game, a Sunday late afternoon game against the Cowboys, and they come right back again at home on that Thursday night game on Prime Video to face Tennessee. So, I, you know, but you're going to get Dak Prescott back most likely by then and Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau. But I can see them being 6-1, six and, one, six and, six and one by the time they face Buffalo. But can they win in that fashion against Buffalo? Buffalo's going to be their toughest face. Let's, let's be honest. Buffalo, by, by many accounts... Probably a team that's going to find its way deep into the postseason and into a Super Bowl, most likely. 877-867-1670. The offense, worried about it? Yay or nay? Yay or nay? Uh, Got a couple here. This one's from Rick. Rick says, uh, I think the offense right now is junk. They don't have anybody to go downfield. Brian Gutekunst hasn't done a good enough job in fortifying the wide receiver position. There's other guys that are going to be out there. When is OBJ available? Uh, I don't know. I have not heard anything regarding Odell Beckham Jr. That's a great question. And my assumption is by the mid-portion of October, if now, remember, OBJ is not young anymore, but if he is able to go, I would say in the next couple of weeks, you're probably going to start hearing his name because I think that's what that's what uh, he was targeting. When we were talking about the offseason and free agents, um, I think. I think he was targeting middle of October, if I read correctly, Ben, do you remember anything about OBJ? I I, I think wasn't he targeting middle of uh, October to come back? Yes, Middle late to end of October, late yeah. in the season, and he's also said he didn't want to sign before training camp. He wanted to see which teams were good, and he went on that little right. tour early in the year with that Rams right. game to start the year, kind of yeah. wooing teams to see if they would want him. Yeah, I I really believe that if he comes back, it's probably going to be you're going to start hearing him ramp it up in the next couple of weeks. Once teams really kind of find out who they by the time the Packers say, head to Buffalo, which is the end of October. By the way, that, that, what, what is that? Uh, is that Halloween? I think it's the last. Uh, no, I think it's the 30th. It's the 30th, uh, now that I'm looking at it. It's the 30th. It's not Halloween. It's the night before Halloween. Uh, and that's that, uh, that's that, that uh, NBC Sunday night game. 
So I think by that time, you will probably see OBJ at least get to, get talked to by the Packers. I, I think you would be crazy not to. You've already seen injuries to Christian Watson and to Sammy Watkins. You'd be stupid. You'd be an absolute freaking moron not to call him. I think we can all agree upon that. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, do it. But do you think the Packers can continue to win this way? Uh, Jim says, I don't want OBJ. Tell me why, Jim. Who else is out there? Who else is out there on the market you would want? Let, let's start there. Because I think, you know, God knows, one more injury, man, you're going to have to go get somebody. Who else would you want? Complicated fellow says, relax, passing in the NFL is timing and wide receiver recognition takes longer to develop. I, I agree with all of that. But if you're talking about winning now, You've got, in essence, four weeks. You get a four-week reprieve, barring injury right now, four weeks. I'm simply asking the question, if you go through four weeks and it's kind of like this, then what? So you can tell me relax, that's fine. (laughs) People say it all the time. But I'm pointing out an actual flaw. That I, it doesn't mean it won't get better. I'm giving you a flat out statistic. And if you're saying, well, don't worry about it, it's going to get better, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? What if, say, Randall Cobb goes down, who's been one of your better receivers, believe it or not? And we all know at some point or another, Randall Cobb does go down. So then what? Sammy Watkins on the IR right now. You would have Romeo Dubs, Alan Lazard, a banged-up Christian Watson, Samari Torre, and Amari Rogers. That's your wide receiving core. Suppose he gets hurt. Suppose Cobb or Lazard get hurt on the first play of the next game. Then what? There's no relax here. You right now are starting to hold your breath. And I, I, I'm not saying panic. I'm just simply saying you got to think about this. Now, Watkins could come back. Christian Watson could come back and be great, start to get on the same page, catch some balls, relieve relieve some of the pressure on some of the other guys. Yeah, things could get better, absolutely, and I would expect they would. I'm only throwing it out there because it's a real statistic. It's sitting here in front of you. They don't have a downfield threat for numerous reasons. What do you do? Because I'll tell you right now, you can't win a Super Bowl like this. You cannot, you will not. That's why I, I agree with you. Complicated, Phil, I agree with you. Relax. It's going to get better. I agree. But I'm telling you, this you can't win with. You can win games, but you won't win a Super Bowl. But isn't that the ultimate goal? Of course. So what do you start? what do you start thinking about? I'm asking you to think beyond right now. Think beyond. That's all. 877-867-1670. We're going to ask Mark Schofield of SB Nation about this. Also, uh, Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, is going to be joining us later today. You're going to hear from Matt LaFleur today. You're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers, hopefully at some point today. 
uh, if we have time for it. But we got all of that coming up. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. Don't forget about the opening drive at Quick Trip. You go in, you get some gas, you type in your Quick Rewards card number, which is your phone number. You type it in, okay? You get into all of that. And then you're registered. And then they're going to pull one name a week. And for every yard they garner, you get cash. If you're the name, you get cash back because the Green Bay Packers do good things. If they end up scoring a touchdown, you got 500 bucks coming to you. I mean, it's, it's great stuff on the opening drive contest from our friends over there at Quick Trip. And I'm going to be in the home of Quick Trip, which is La Crosse, Wisconsin, coming up uh, here uh, tomorrow. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night, going to be heading into uh, La Crosse. For the tapping of the golden keg and the golden can and the tapping of something. I mean, we can tap in all kinds of stuff over there on lacrosse coming up this weekend. There you have it. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show full network on board. All of you, all throughout the great state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders. Good to have you today on a Wednesday. Don't forget, coming up tonight, Huddle's back. Going to be at Bullwinkles in Brookfield tonight, six to eight. Look forward to it. They're in the uh, the new location, which is uh, the Galleria, right behind Cops Custard over there on Blue Mound Road. Come on back and say hello, to the old Mama Mia's. Come on by. All brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor. Of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Joining us now, Mark Schofield in SB Nation at Mark Schofield over on uh, Twitter. Joining us on the hotline, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be with you this afternoon. Always excited to, to hop on and talk a little football with you each Wednesday. So let's start off with, uh, I, I brought up a stat today, and I want to jump into this real quick, and then we'll talk more uh, about the NFL overall. But so far, Aaron Rodgers' average pass downfield is three and a half yards per pass. Can you win consistently in the NFL like that? You can, but it does give you, in some ways, a smaller margin for error. I mean, I'm looking at the NFL next-gen stats right now, and they have intended air yards, which is extremely similar. And, you know, it's 5.1 intended air yards uh, per throw. And of the quarterbacks they've tracked, that's last in the league. I mean, Kyler Murray is second to last, and he's at six. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's certainly low. Um, what it requires is you're going to have to sustain drives because you sort of don't have that explosive element to rely on. You don't just, you know, you don't have these three, four play drives where it's a big shot play. You have to, to execute down to down on 10, 11, 12 play drives. And that gives you, again, a small margin for error because you get behind the stick suddenly. And now with that kind of offense, you've made life tougher on yourself. So it does give you that smaller margin for error. I also think though, we're seeing scoring down league wide right now. We're seeing other quarterbacks that have sort of pushed the ball downfield in years past or have the ability to do so. They're sort of being forced to work underneath. For example, Justin Herbert, similar sort of discussion with him, right? That sort of intended air yards number at 6.8 for him, you know, and that's an offense that people think could be more explosive in the downfield pass game. Now, obviously 6.8, 5.1, there's a difference there, but you're seeing other offenses deal with, what defenses are doing, two deep safeties and things like that. And so can you win that way? Yeah. 
I think teams are having to adjust to what defenses are showing them, but it also is making it a little bit harder on yourself because you have to be almost perfect. The uh, the NFL in general, like you said, scoring is down, but some quarterbacks are playing at a really high level. Obviously, Tua is, uh, Lamar Jackson is, uh, Joe Burrow finally got going with three touchdown passes last weekend against the Jets. Uh, right now, who is kind of, because people are kind of looking over the fence going, is Tua for real or not now that he has weapons? Because everybody thought down in Miami that if they just, get, they're putting all the weapons in the basket for him and now it's up to him to sink or swim. It certainly looks like he's playing a lot better, but they're not being very prolific in doing it when it comes to scoring points and racking up yards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's strange down there in Miami because they haven't had a ton of possessions. I think they've run, 167 plays this year, which is 28th in the league in terms of plays that they've run. In that first game against New England, they were sort of limited in possessions. That you know, that was a game that was sort of a, a slower slugfest. And obviously, last week against you know, Buffalo, I think they only ran something like 30 or 40 plays. The Bills had that had the ball for the bulk of it, so I think that's kind of skewing some of the numbers that we're seeing out of Miami. But I think with respect to Tua, you're seeing improvement from him. Improvement from the pocket. One of the things I looked at at a piece that I actually put up today at SB Nation was his expected points added on RPO versus non-RPO plays last year. And they were so propped up by the RPO scheme last year that whenever it was a traditional drop back, you had a negative EPA on his throws last year. This year, it's much different. They've been productive on both RPO and non-RPO plays. He's sort of working defenses and breaking defenses down with his eyes, with his mind, with his decisions. And so I think he showed this year that he can go beyond sort of the scheme and what the scheme gives him. So I think I'm really started to buy in on this offense. I'm really started to buy in on the development and the growth we've seen from Tua so far this year. I think the smaller sample size with the limited possessions in the first, you know, first game and the third game are kind of skewing some of the numbers a bit. But I think what we're seeing on the field when they have the football, it's an offense that is built to win in today's NFL. Uh, obviously, the Bills take on the Ravens this weekend. Two prolific quarterbacks, two teams that are expected to be in the postseason. That's really kind of the matchup. Both teams also 2-1. and one. The Ravens got beat at home by Tua and company, and the Bills have been beaten by Tua and company. So I, I look at this game, and I think, well, both teams have been gotten. But uh, is this for, like, some level of supremacy in the AFC right now early on? I, I think to an extent it is. I mean, you look at both teams, and like you said, they do both look like they're built to be contenders in the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. Two, like you said, very prolific quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson is playing at an incredibly high level right now. I mean, he has more touchdowns than a lot of teams do right now. I think like I, almost half of the NFL teams don't have the 12 touchdowns on offense that he has this year. And so I, I think – Putting Miami to the side, I think as you sort of step back and look at the AFC as a whole, you look at Baltimore, you look at Buffalo, you look at their rosters, you look at their quarterbacks, and you think these are two very good teams, especially when you factor in the AFC West has kind of underwhelmed us to this point when you start thinking, okay, who are the really good teams in the AFC right now? It's hard to come up with any teams other than Miami that you would put ahead of these two teams, Buffalo and Baltimore. The uh, the game coming up on Sunday with the Vikings and the Saints. Now, I, look, I, I will the real Vikings club please stand up? They beat the snot out of the Packers in Week One. Came after Aaron Rodgers, hit him, sacked him, the whole thing, and then they get knocked off, and then they have to hold on late just to be able to come back and beat the the Lions at home. So, 
are, are the are the Vikings for real, or do we look at them and go, you know what, they just spent all their energy on week one and everything else has been mediocre ever since? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of the Vikings. And you see what happens that Monday night game against Philadelphia. Now, maybe what that tells us is more about Philadelphia and the Eagles and what they have than anything else. But then you look last week, and I've talked about the Lions. I've said they were going to be feisty. But still, you know, what does that offense look like when Justin Jefferson gets doubled, gets bracketed, and you kind of saw that he only had the three catches, um, but they were still able to find a way to win. I, I don't know what to make of Minnesota right now. And I think ultimately it comes down to, as it does with so many teams, Kirk Cousins in the quarterback position. And I just, I, I, I am just still very skeptical of him, particularly against pressure, particularly in pressure moments, particularly in big game situations. And until I'm dissuaded from that belief, until I'm moved off that opinion, it's hard for me to buy into Minnesota. Uh, the game coming up Thursday night, we talk about Tua, and then you got Joe Burrow, who had three touchdown passes, but only sacked twice, which is an anomaly for him. And he's probably going home and saying, thank God. But he's been hit 15 times, sacked 15 times, and hit 29 times so far this year. Now, only sacked twice in the game last week against the Jets, who are not that good, we all know. What can we expect on Thursday night between these two quarterbacks and pressure on both? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously what Cincinnati's going to have to have a plan for is what Miami does defensively, that zero blitz look where they put a man across the board and just bring the house after you. You know, it's it's one of the things schematically what we're seeing teams lean into. Miami leans into it perhaps more than most. Now, in the past, Burrow and the Bengals have had answers for that. They'll check to screens. They'll check to some quick game stuff to get the football out of its hands quicker. Um, so that's one of the things that we'll be watching Thursday night. Obviously, we're also sort of watching an injury situation with Tua. He had the hit, you know, where it looked like he hit his head on the turf against Buffalo, and then it was te- turned to be a back injury that he's dealing with. And so, you know, we'll watch for that. But the main thing is protecting Burrow in the face of these zero blitz looks you're going to see from Josh Boyer and the Miami Dolphins defense. They were better in protection against the New York Jets, but they have to get away from their own schematic tendency of, Line up in the shotgun, we're going to throw it. Line up under center, we're going to run it. They they were very predictable over the first two weeks. They tried to mix that up a little bit more last week against the Jets. That's something else I'll be watching for on Thursday night. Uh, let's talk about Philadelphia, the team that doesn't really get a lot of respect when we start talking about postseason. And Jalen Hurts, quarterback rating of 106.5. He's only thrown for four touchdowns and has a pick. But the Eagles look real, and they look good. They look balanced. Give me your thoughts on the Eagles. I think they look fantastic. I, I think defensively, you know, against Minnesota in week two, they brought more pressure. They're a little bit more aggressive. Last week against Washington, where they got the Carson Wentz nine times, it was really pressure with four. They're going to play softer coverages, play with numbers in the secondary, but guys like Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, they were getting some pressure early and often. They got some interior push and pressure as well. So I think that they are built to win defensively a couple of different ways. They can be aggressive at times. They can win with four at times. But similar to the discussion we were having about some of these other teams, you look at the quarterback position on the offensive side of the ball, and you're seeing that growth and development from Jalen Hurts, making reads and throws from the pocket on a more consistent down-to-down basis, which is something Eagles fans have been looking and clamoring for for basically all summer with Jalen Hurts. That's a huge part of what they've done. Now, the one little thing that sort of worries me, you look at the last two weeks, pretty much nothing offensively in the second half. You know, Minnesota kind of 
quieted that offense a little bit, similar situation with Washington. They had gotten out to some leads and they kind of sat on it a bit. That's working so far, but when you start getting into games later in the season, games might be closer, weather and things like that. Will they be able to sort of have some post-halftime success on the offensive side of the ball? That's something I'm going to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks with Philadelphia. Talking with Mark Schofield, SB Nation, at Mark Schofield. You can find his stuff there. Uh, the, the, the West and the AFC and the NFC was supposed to be this, this juggernaut of teams. Both have been somewhat failures to this point. Uh, I thought the Cardinals would be better. The Rams, obviously, after getting beat, they've won now two straight. San Francisco's one and two. Uh, they're not that great. Denver just doesn't, even though they're two and one, they look terrible doing it. And uh, we know the Raiders absolutely stink on ice. So give me your thoughts on both West Conference or both West divisions right now and the flaws that we thought they didn't have that they now have. Yeah, I mean, particularly in the AFC. I mean, Bill, how many times did I come on with you over the offseason into training camp and say, oh, the best team in the AFC is besides the Bills, whoever comes out of the West, right? Because that, right. that division is going to be fantastic. The team that wins that division is going to be, like, built to win in the postseason. I probably said that a dozen times, if not more. And right now, do you trust – I mean, Denver's 2-1. and one. It, Does that feel like a robust two no. and one to you? Or no. Does that feel like a paper thin two and one? Because that's what it feels like to me. Yep. You know, Kansas I agree. City, special teams miscues, fake field goals. Now they're hoping to get their kicker back. It seems like there's frustration. We saw the incident with Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy at the end of the first half. So it seems like their frustration is there. Then obviously the Chargers, the team that everybody loved during training camp, everybody seems to be hurt right now. And so you've got Justin Herbert hurt, Rashawn Slater is hurt, lots of injuries mounting there, and obviously the Raiders situation. That AFC West is one of the things that I think we all got wrong. You know, myself, forefront among that group, because we thought it was going to be a great division, and it's kind of not looking too great right now. Then over in the NFC, I think you've got a similar array of issues playing out. You've got the quarterback situation in San Francisco, which Jimmy Garoppolo is and is not as a quarterback, and so that's kind of... Well, we saw play out on Sunday night, limitations in the passing game when he's under center for them, questions about Arizona. That offense seems to be struggling right now, and is Cliff Kingsbury going to find a way out of the struggles they're having on offense? The Rams, you know, they've dealt with a little bit of injuries, questions about Matthew Stafford, so they've got mm-hmm. issues there. And then the Seahawks, despite their week one win against Russell Wilson, now you're seeing what that team might look like in reality. And so the West looks rough, rougher certainly than we thought it was going to be on the AFC side. And, you know, I, I think ultimately Kansas City is going to figure things out like they did last year, but a lot more questions than answers in both divisions right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, real quick before I let you go, and going back to the Green Bay Packers, coming up this weekend, they have got, it uh, looks like it's going to be Brian Hoyer. I know that uh, Bill Belichick is saying Mac Jones is making progress to kind of keep everybody, you know, off the off the beaten path. But we, we know it's a high ankle sprain. It's going to take him a while to come back. So, that being said, what does uh, what what do the Patriots? What kind of problems do they pose that could really hinder what the Packers want to do? I mean, you know, I watched that game this morning. Rewatched that Patriots offense against Baltimore, and you know, early in that game, the first two plus quarters, they were kind of clicking on offense. They were clicking on the passing game. Matt Jones looked comfortable, confident, decisive in the pocket, but then started locking in on Devontae Parker. You know, now with him, I, look, he's not going to play this weekend. I would be stunned if he's going to be hit back any time before, say, later in October. High ankle sprain, never a good injury. With Brian Hoyer, you're probably going to see more play action. You're going to see more from the run game. 
the, the story this offseason about the New England Patriots was they ran everything to the outside, to the edges, outside zone, but they've been more of an interior run gap and power team. This is not a defensive front where I'd want to run interior gap and power stuff, given what you have in the interior of that defensive line. You know, there's a reason the number is going in from Vegas what it is. This does not look right now like this is a matchup that the Patriots are built to win. Always good to talk to you, my friend. We certainly appreciate it, and we'll get back together soon, okay? Sounds great, Bill. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. There you go. Mark Schofield. You can find him at Mark Schofield over on uh, on Twitter and now with SB Nation. You can read his stuff there. Some good statistics. By the way, just an FYI, and I was asked this. Uh, John asked me over on the Bud Light live stream during the interview. He said, is this a gold package game for the Green Bay Packers coming up this weekend? Yes, it is. It's a gold package game. This one and then the Tennessee game. Both games, gold package games. And this uh, Sunday game, 325, the next gold package game is a Tennessee game, and that is a Thursday night game. Thursday night game. So the gold package games this week. And then on November, uh, was it 17th, I think, is the uh, the Tennessee game, and that also is a gold package game. There you have it. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Uh, you've already seen the pictures over on the uh, Facebook fan page. Uh, some of them over on Twitter as well. Had the new door installed and love it. It is bright. It is big. It is beautiful. And uh, I, I can't say enough about it. I love walking. Just I know it's stupid. Okay, you get a new door or a new window in your home, and everything is shining and shiny and new. You want to you use it. So I found myself going down that way. Like when I go out to the truck, I'll walk in and out through the patio doors down there by the garage and driveway rather than going through the garage, okay? But the one thing I notice is at night, and I've done this now three times. I'm, I'm go- goofy geeky that way. I walk down and I put my hand next to the door, and you can't feel any of the cool air. None of it. And I can't – there's no reference point in the house anymore because all the doors and windows now have been replaced. It's, it's, it's awesome. Can't feel the cold air anymore. So now I'm going to start uh, – I need to find the machine, the little – gun, if you will, the the hyper heat gun or whatever it is, that you can aim it at certain things and it'll show you where cold air is coming into your house. I don't even know if they have that for public use or not or if it's only for energy companies, but that's the next thing I got to find because it used to be just that door. That was it. That thing, now I got to find out if it's coming in anywhere else. But I I digress. Uh, I love pillow windows and doors. I love the new patio system that I have down there. Uh, the people that have seen it, my next door neighbor came over and went, "Wow, that's that's a nice door and really really nice look on the outside of the house." I'm like, "Damn straight!" And they just had they just built the house next to me, so they've got those windows and doors, but not as nice as the ones that I got, which is awesome. So check out Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, and today and tomorrow and Friday, this is it. If you want to get the deal, two years, no interest, no payments. Two years, no interest, no payments. Again, two years, no interest. No payments right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get a hold of them, PellaWI.com. That is Pella, P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com. Again, PellaWI.com or call them, 855-PELLA-WI, 855-PELLA-WI. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.